welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Despite all the changes in Jacksonville, it would be very easy for most people to still dismiss the Jaguars in 2022. Let's face it, with only four wins over the past two seasons and 10 losing seasons in the past 11 years, it will take more than a new head coach and a few free agent signings to change the perception of a franchise that has struggled for more than a decade. However, you might not want to sleep on the 2022 Jaguars. I don't know if I'd predict them to be a surprise playoff team, but I might predict them to be the most improved team in the NFL. Am I crazy? Well, probably, but let's see what someone who knows the team much better than me has to say. His name is Demetrius Harvey. He's the new Jaguars beat reporter for the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville, and he's this week's guest on the podcast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Demetrius Harvey has been covering the Jaguars since 2017. He was hired recently by the Times Union to replace the recently retired John Reed, who had covered the team for the past five years. Demetrius will give us an idea of how good this team could be now that they seem to have things going in a positive direction. Demetrius! Welcome to the show, and let me say I'm happy to have you on board our team here at the Times Union. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's honestly a dream come true to uh, work in Jacksonville, continue to work in Jacksonville, and just be, be on this team, which is full of great people, and, and I'm just excited for the season. Yeah, very cool. And we're going to learn a little bit more about you later on here in the podcast. But first, we're going to start where everybody wants us to start, and that's on the field with some football. So, you know, the preseason's over. The Jags, they went 0-4, but that doesn't always necessarily mean a whole lot in the preseason. Their starters look good when they played. And so, you know, they've held leads, sometimes look pretty good. But, you know, what have you seen that will make Jaguars fans anticipate a much better 2022? Yeah, no. Um, preseason is, is kind of strange because on one end of the spectrum, you know, if you're a fan of the team, uh, you're going to want to see wins. So when they're 0-4 in the preseason, you're kind of like, what's going on? But um, the, the, the other end of the spectrum is, you know, you get to see the starters play some. You saw the starters against the, the, the Steelers. You saw them a little bit, you know, in, in the previous game. And I think that what you can take from that at least is, you know, you can see a sense of direction. I think that that's, what's been missing in Jacksonville for a long time, uh, to be quite honest. Um, and it, it's just a, a sort of, uh, obvious plan of action on offense. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's making the right reads. He's making the right throws. Now he's going to miss a couple, but you know, overall you can see the vast improvement he's made already from year one to year two. The offense in general seems to be clicking a lot faster there weren't very many false starts. There weren't very many holding calls. And I think that's what you want to see. And then on the other side of the ball, um, the defense, they, they, they looked outstanding against Cleveland. They looked outstanding against uh, Pittsburgh even, you know, and they were able to play a little bit more into that game. And I think that that's something you want to see where are they able to play up to the other team in years past, 
the Jaguars were sort of on the other side of the coin where maybe their backups would play pretty well, but their starters would get dominated on the other side of the ball. So to see them sort of at least stay up and compete against those guys, I think that's what you should take away from this preseason. I think that's sort of what a lot of Jaguar fans out there would probably hope for. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting to see them try and find some of those lower roster spots. And you see guys like we saw the other night with Atlanta, a couple of players, you know, uh, missing some assignments and and making some bad plays. So, you know, it's always hard, obviously, cutting down the roster and you have to get down to that 53 number. But, you know, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. And of course, he's going to be the center of the Jags universe you know, all eyes will be on him in year two, the number one pick from last year. You know, certainly didn't have the rookie season he was hoping for. You know, Urban Meyer might have contributed a lot to that. But, you know, now the expectations are ratcheted up. You know, as I've written about, prop bets have his over-under yardage at 4,000 after doing 3,600 last season. And by comparison, only 10 quarterbacks broke 4,000 yards last season. So, you know, do you think that he can be, you know, potentially a top 10 quarterback? And I think we'll certainly see an improvement on the 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. So what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of hard to say, you know, whether he will get over 4,000 yards. I think that's sort of the the barometer for a an outstanding quarterback or at least a quarterback who uh, throws the ball a lot and actually has some completions uh, on a game in and, and game out basis. I'm not sure if he's going to make it past 4,000, and that's sort of just dictated by how much the Jaguars will re- rely on the run game. You know, they have guys like James Robinson who will be back eventually. Maybe even week one is is sort of the expectation for him. They have Travis Etienne, um, and Doug Peterson sort of comes from a background of you know, run the football, be balanced and, and sort of set up to, to do the pass, you know, because in, it, he ha- it's not like he's had a lot of 1000 yard receivers, which is sort of what you would expect for that 4,000 yard mark for a quarterback. Um, but moving forward, you know, can he actually get to that mark if, if he's given the opportunity? Absolutely. I think that what we've seen in training camp and what we've seen during the preseason have has sort of shown you that, you know, he's able to make the right reads. He has better weapons with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Um, he has he has other guys that are around him that are going to make him better. The offensive line has wholly um, been a lot more improved since since last season. And so um, I think that it's going to come with. You know, will he get over that mark? I'm not quite sure, but absolutely he's going to get over that, you know, 12 touchdown, 17 interception ratio. I think that uh, he's going to have a lot more touchdowns. You know, maybe he'll even push only to or upwards to 30 touchdowns, I would say, on the year. But, you know, that 17 interception mark might even come down too. which I mean, if that's the case, then obviously it's a very successful season. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think Trevor Lawrence has improved. And I think that a lot of Jaguar fans are going to be really excited to see him this year. Yeah, you know, I think you hit on something key, especially for hitting that 4,000-yard mark, is the running backs. You know, obviously they have upgraded at wide receiver, but when you look at Doug Peterson, what he did with his 2017 Super Bowl champion Eagles, they utilized their running backs for the tune of 1,100 receiving yards, whereas last year the Jaguars barely had about 400. So, you know, that that's going to be a big thing is you're going to see a lot more short passes out to those, you know, receivers to set up the bigger passes 
moves because he does have that big arm. So when you're looking at, you know, Travis Etienne, he's returning from a foot injury, but he's looked really good. James Robinson, he says he's going to be ready to go for Washington. So who do you expect to actually be the starter out there? Are we going to see Robinson out there? Do you think it'll be Etienne or will it be Etienne and a combination of other guys if Robinson doesn't start? So where is your feeling on this one? It'll be interesting to see. And, you know, Doug Peterson has come out and sort of claimed that, you know, James Robinson is is expected to to play week one. And I think that uh, James Robinson himself has said that that was always the plan. So, I mean, for everybody out there, I feel like that should be the expectation, you know, through your eyes as well. But, you know, when, when you get into who will carry the ball first week one, I do think it's difficult to envision a, you know, a heavy workload for James right away. He hasn't been in a game since he, you know, tore his Achilles last year, late last year. Um, he's still making his way back. He has even taken off the the yellow or orange, depending on where you are, um, jersey that, you know, dictates no contact in practices. So um, when you're looking at Travis Etienne, he's, he's a guy who, you know, he's coming back from his foot injury. By all accounts, including my own, you know, he looks uh, sensational in terms of his explosion. He doesn't look like he's carrying a limp. You know, he has that sort of weird gait when he's when he's running, but he's always had that um, dating back to his college days and probably in his high school days as well. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I think that they can at least depend on to get the bulk of the carries week one. Now, who who gets in there first? I mean, if James is ready, he's available. He's going in. I can imagine that they, that they put him in there first, but I would not imagine him getting um, the bulk of the carries week one and maybe not even in week two just because of how soon it is coming off of that Achilles injury, how soon it is coming back to practice at full speed, you know, th- things like that. So um, week one, just expect Travis Etienne to sort of get the bulk of the carries and then maybe uh, the other guys, whoever's on the 53-man roster to get those carries as well. Yeah, and you can be sure for that week one game that both the running backs and Lawrence are probably breathing a sigh of relief that Chase Young won't be starting for the Commanders as he's out for about the first four weeks of the season. So that's probably good news for the Jaguars' standpoint. But, you know, now let's look at the wide receivers because you mentioned how revamped they are. Marvin Jones led the team in receiving yards last year. He's back. But you now have Christian Kirk. You've brought in Zay Jones. You've brought in tight end Evan Engram. You've also got LaVisca Chenault, who's back. And he was second on the team in receiving yards last year. You have this young guy, Tim Scott, who excited in a couple of preseason games. So, you know, talk about that wide receiving uh, room where you've got this overflow, this glut of people. And, uh, you know, who's going to make it? Who's going to stay? And who's going to get the kind of the bulk? Because I'm sure there are a lot of guys who are going to want that ball shared around. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, they brought in guys like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, like you already mentioned, um, and they already have guys like Chenault, who, you know, he may or may not actually be on the 53-man roster when it's all said and done, but um, that's because of guys like Tim Jones, like you mentioned, has already, you know, accelerated his path to, to, to making it. Um, I do think that the weapons, though, in general have improved dramatically from last year. I mean, if you take into account that DJ Chark got injured, week one last season and then you 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 also take into account that they were playing guys like Jamal Agnew who's a fantastic return specialist but they were playing him as almost a number one or or, or number two receiver aside from Marvin Jones who you know he's getting up there in age so to be able to turn it around and sort of flip the the, the roster I would say on that receiver standpoint um, it's been it, it's been great for them I think that you know you've seen Zay Jones who he may not come in as as that 
uh, star-studded player because he wasn't a guy who stuck around very long at different places. He was with the Bills, and then he was with the Raiders. Didn't really um, stand out too much with the Raiders until the end of last season. You know, he still has a lot to prove, but what he has proved during training camp was that he can be a reliable route runner. He can be a a reliable pass catcher. And that's exactly what you need. If you're a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you need somebody who's going to be in the right spot at the right time. And I think that now the team has at least two of those guys and Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. And then you have Marvin Jones that you can throw in there. You have Tim Jones, who's a young player. Um, you have Jamal Agnew who, while he's not going to be that sort of wide receiver that you would think of prototypically, he's going to be that guy who can make plays out of the backfield or do different things on screens and, and, and things like that. And then, as you mentioned, Evan Ingram, he's a guy who comes in from the Giants as a former first round pick who um, he's a receiver. You know, he's a guy who can play that position in the slot. He can move out wide. He's exactly the type of tight end that Doug Peterson loves to use. And I think that um, when you add in all of those sort of different threats, it's definitely improved. Now, will it match up on the actual football field? That that remains to be seen during the regular season. But um, from what we see from the eye test, it looks like it will be. Yeah, definitely. I ended up with Christian Kirk in one of my fantasy football leagues. So hoping that Trevor Lawrence looks that way a lot this season. <laughs> so the final offensive question I'll ask you comes with the line. You know, you, you re-sign tackle Cam Robinson in the offseason, getting a three-year deal done. Jawan Taylor's dueling it out with Walker Little for a tackle spot. Last year, the center, Brandon Linder, suddenly retires. Now you're looking at a rookie starting there. So just talk about the offensive line. How is it coming together? How does it look? Who's winning some of these battles? And, uh, you know, are they going to provide the protection that Lawrence and the running backs need to get things done? Yeah, it's different. They sort of went into the offseason with a plan of action. You know, they they wanted to re-sign a guy in Cam Robinson who's, you know, started all their games over the past few years, you know, barring ex except for when he was injured. Um, they wanted to go out and sign a guy in Brandon Sheriff who, um, by all accounts, is is one of the best guards to play in the NFL in quite some time. You know, he's he has the potential to be a Hall of Fame player at, at you know by the time his career is over if he continues on this trajectory. Um, and then you have Luke Fortner, who they drafted in the in the third round this year, who's a rookie playing center. You know, and he started at center um, since day one of training camp. You know, he hasn't let go of that role. Um, yes, they 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 re-signed Tyler Shatley, but now he's sort of been been relegated to that uh, swing guy who can play inside center or or guard. And I think that that's sort of where that stands for now. Um, at left guard, Ben Barch, you know, he's a third year player who comes in and he showed a lot of potential, you know, coming out of, of little St. John's. Um, I don't I can't even think of 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 the name of the college now, but from from Minnesota, you know, a, a few years ago in he's a guy who has continued to develop and I think that they like where he's at. So that's going to be your left guard. And then at right tackle, you know, they've been sort of battling him, you know, with Jawan Taylor, with Walker little, uh, they've been battling the entire camp. You know, Jawan has sort of gotten hurt. He had the hamstring for a, a couple weeks, you know, missed around six to seven practices. But since he's been back, you know, he's he's done a, a, a fantastic job, and I think they like what they have in him. He hasn't missed a single snap in his uh, three-year career thus far. I think that that adds to it. And I think right now, if I had to choose or if I had to predict what they will do, I think Jawan's going to end up being that guy at right tackle with Walker Little sort of as the swing. So, you know, they, they have a, a sort of, you know, changed offensive line 
but at the same time, it has a couple of returning players, a couple of guys who are already familiar with each other. And I think that uh, you'll see over time that that's sort of the line that you would want to play at with if if you're Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I come from an area where Jawan Taylor went to high school, so we always root for Jawan down here in Brevard County, Cocoa, Florida. So, all right, let's turn to the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, everybody's talking about the offense, but, you know, this defense, it, it, to me, this could be very exciting. Josh Allen, for me, is a superstar in the making. I love watching him play. I think Devin Lloyd, now that he's finally back on the field, he he has the potential to do some great things. You've got the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, who is a physical freak. You've got Shaq Griffin. You bring in Darius Williams from the Super Bowl winning uh, Rams, and, and he's a Jacksonville guy. So, you know, their secondary looks good. Let's talk a little bit about this, but I want to start with Lloyd, who finally got in a game against Atlanta the other night. And to me, he looked impressive. What did you see out of first round pick Devin Lloyd? Yeah, I saw a guy who was running sideline to sideline, a guy who, you know, attacked at the ball carrier just like you would want him to. Now, was he perfect? No, but, you know, that was his first time in a football game since he was at Utah last year, you know, so um, you kind of have to gauge or, or, you know, temper your expectations for him early on. But uh, coming out, he's a guy who has a lot of versatility. He, 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 he can rush the passer. He can defend the pass. He can defend the run. He's a guy that they want as a starter. You know, he's still listed as their starting linebacker um, on their depth chart. And, you know, he played that throughout the entire spring. Now, once he got hurt, that sort of opened up the door for Chad Muma to come in and he's, he's done well. But I think that Devin, you know, he's a guy that eventually is going to, you know, capture that starting role. I think that he has a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Um, and that's sort of the reason why they traded up from the second round to the first round to get him. You know, he, he's, he's a guy that they coveted. He's a guy that they needed, especially when they made the decision to move on from Miles Jack. And I think that that's sort of the direction it's headed. Yeah, and you know, he's got the size, he's got all of the variables, but let me say this, as a University of Florida graduate, I hope that his departure from Utah means that this upcoming Saturday, the Gators will be able to score lots of points on the Utes defense. <laughs> you would hope so, we'll, we'll see, I guess. There you go. But let's stick with the NFL here, and we'll we'll go to another Gator foe, and that is the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, who, you know, it came down to it at the draft. People weren't sure who was going to go number one. They took the big kid from Georgia. So how has he been handling his transition to the NFL, and how has he looked so far? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was definitely a battle for that number one spot, but they went with uh, Trayvon Walker, and, I, and you could see why almost immediately. Um, when you go out there, even during the, the, the rookie mini camp in way back in May, you know, he's a guy that stands out. He's huge. You know, if, if you look at Josh Allen and you put Trayvon Walker next to each other, they're the same height, but Trayvon just has a little extra something that, that you, you don't expect. And I think that that's, you know, saying something considering that Josh Allen is another guy who, if you stand next to him, you're like, what in the world? Like, how is this guy, you know, a, 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 a person just standing next to you because he's so big. So, you know, so fast, so physical and, and he can cover the pass too. So, you know, Trayvon Walker is sort of a similar mold, but a little bit bigger. He's a guy who's played very well already during his uh, preseason. I think that one thing he said during his time with the, um, Falcons last week during joint practices was, you know, he's matured. He's a guy who came into the NFL young, just like a, a lot of these guys do. He entered as a junior. Um, he's he's matured already. He's learning from from Josh Allen. You see him after practice every day uh, working moves with 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 Josh. He's 
you know, went to all the different camps. There's a, there was a video that was posted on Instagram during the summer where you see, you could see Trayvon Walker and other Jaguar players working with Robert Mathis, who, you know, obviously was an outstanding pass rusher with the um, Colts, you know, years ago. So he's a guy who's sort of done it the right way. It seems like he's already inserted himself as a starter. He made a big impact play on the first drive of the Raiders game. And, and I think that he's continued to make plays and, you know, over time, it, it might take a little bit for him to develop as a pass rusher completely, but I think that he's he's on his way to doing just that. Yeah, it's going to be fun watching how he develops throughout the year. Now, I've combed through all sorts of listings and rankings. I, I look up a lot of weird things, Demetrius, but, you know, I wanted to see where people might place Josh Allen. And I found all sorts of different top 10, top 15, top 20 rankings. And Allen, to my surprise, was nary in any of them. So do you think people are overlooking Josh Allen, or is it because maybe he's in Jacksonville? But, you know, when is he going to get the respect he deserves? Yeah, Josh Allen's an interesting guy because when when you look at him— you you see a guy who should be uh should be incredibly talented. He should be a guy who's getting ten sacks a season. You know, he was able to do that during his rookie season, getting ten sacks, but then over the next couple of years you saw sort of a I don't know if you would call it a re- regression per se, but he definitely wasn't the same guy or at least the same sort of production level as as you would have thought he would be after his his rookie year. You know, he, he he's dealt with injuries in the past. Last year, he was able to get sort of back to that, um, got seven and a half sacks. But overall, you know, he's a guy that hasn't fully unlocked his potential. So maybe that's why people will have him a little bit lower. But absolutely, he's a guy that as long as you have something else, I think that that's the biggest thing is you need to have something else on your defensive line or at outside linebacker um, for him to really take advantage of the one-on-one opportunities that that he might get and really take advantage of his skill set where he's not trying to fill in the gap that somebody else had had left because they're not as talented or or whatever the make the the case may be you know he's a guy that now he's able to do the things that he he needs to do do his his job essentially and i think that this defense sort of lets him do that so you know while it, it might make sense for now to to leave him off of those top 10 rankings as a pass rusher i think that over time this season you'll see that he's um, improved enough to where he will merit just that well, I think if you ask the offensive version of Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills, he'll tell you that's a guy that deserves to be on a top 10 list. Uh, I'm sure he'll never forget that game. So you've been covering this team now since 2017, which is the last time they had a winning record and made the playoffs. So, you know, you, you've unfortunately seen several down years in a row. How close would you say they are to a t- to the best team you've seen aside from that one? Or, you know, how much better is it? What's it been like being around this team after several years of futility? This team is talented. I mean, you know, that that 2017 team can't really be compared. Obviously, they've had a lot of luck. They had a lot of talented players roll in and roll out. Um, but, you know, if you compare it to the 2018, 19, 20, even 21, especially um, teams that this the, this uh, city has seen, you know, you can see the the development this year. I mean, it, it's to me, it's completely different from the organizational leadership, you know, with, with Urban Meyer now gone, you know, he's sort of left, um, pretty, 
um, disgracefully, I would say, um, as as a team's head coach. And now you have Doug Peterson who comes in as a Super Bowl winning head coach, a guy who's played in the NFL as a quarterback, exactly what you need for Trevor Lawrence, a guy who's had success offensively, which is the direction that this franchise needs to go. Um, and then to couple it with all of the different players that they brought in, you know, you mentioned a, a few of the guys, Darius Williams, um, they, they, they've now started to use Andre Cisco as a starting safety, you know, uh, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, you know, just random guys that they brought in that actually have the talent level that you would expect from first string players. I think that um, from what I've seen over the years is that sort of the talent that you see right now on the Jaguars with their second string guys, they would be the first string guys in, in years past. And now they're sort of starting to acquire depth, acquire players that would start for, and, and, and I would say, you know, most teams in the NFL right now, if, if you cut a guy that's the starting, you know, linebacker on the Jaguars, perhaps he would catch on somewhere as a starter somewhere else. And I think that that's important to, to see, but from a leadership perspective and from what we've seen already, I think that this is, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's going to be an incredible season this year, but it's a, it's hitting in the right direction. And I think that's all you can expect and all you can hope for. Yeah, I definitely think at this point, Jaguars fans just want to see them going on the up. And hey, you know, I was looking at some things recently. If you look at their first 13 years in existence, they kind of were on an upswing. The next 16 years were all the way down until that one win season. But last year they get three. This week, if they get, or this year, if they get four or five or six, then that's three years in a row of upswing. So let's find some positive here, Demetrius. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just, just always think of the positive. You know, one, one win a, a season is really all you need to improve on. <laughs> well, all right. Let, it's prediction time now. We're looking forward now to week one, the Washington Commanders at Washington, the newly named Commanders, of course, from the Washington football team. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Chase Young is going to miss the first four games. You've got Doug Peterson, who will be facing his former quarterback, Carson Wentz, who very well could have been in that Super Bowl, but it ended up being Nick Foles because Wentz is almost always hurt. So when you look at this matchup, I mean, look, this is the type of thing that the Jaguars need to start the season. This isn't a juggernaut team they're playing. When you look at roster versus roster, the Jaguars may even have a small advantage. So, you know, how do you see this game going? And if you were to put a final score on it, what would you be looking at? Yeah, no, you're right. I think that this is a team in the commanders that is sort of in that weird on the bubble rebuilding, you know, you're not sure quite where they're at or where they stand or if, if they're going to go down or if they're about to go back up with Ron Rivera. Um, I think that what they needed was a quarterback. They got Carson Wentz, but you know, the Jaguars have dominated him in the past, you know, even last season, obviously during that final game, they absolutely clobbered him. And I think that that's sort of, um, what you can expect, um, a, against the commanders in week one. I really do think that the Jaguars have the advantage there, especially on defense where they're going to be a team coming in with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. You know, it's a new year, a new coach, new me basically, um, which is what you would want from the Jaguars moving forward. And so um, week one, I think that they are going to be able to take home that victory. Um, if I had to make the prediction today that that's sort of where I would lean toward. Now, as far as wh what the score will be, I think that, what we need to do is see, you know, exactly how this offense clicks right away. Are they going to be an offense? And I'm talking about the Jaguars. Are they going to be an offense where 
they can go ahead and score right away, or is it going to take some time? Is the chemistry not quite going to be there week one with Trevor Lawrence and then all of his um, new receivers and new talent, new offense and things of that nature? Um, so I think that it'll be a lower scoring game maybe than people anticipate, but I think the Jaguars can win maybe 21 to 14 or 21 to seven. I really do believe that this defense has the advantage there and that's sort of where I'm leaving it. Yeah, I'm thinking along that lines, and here's how I see it. I think it's going to be 24-21 Jaguars. I think that Lawrence will have two touchdowns, and he'll throw one interception. And I think they win it on a field goal, because special teams has been such a question mark, and the irony would be wonderful if McCourt comes in out of nowhere and kicks the game-winning field goal. Absolutely. So there you go. Now, let's learn a little bit about you, Demetrius. You know, I mentioned you've covered the team for this is going to be, is it your fifth or sixth season? Um, You know, uh, it'll be your first with the Times Union. And uh, I think that they made a great choice in hiring you. Now, of course, I say that as the person that hired you. But you know what? You're certainly deserving. You know, your work was awesome and you interviewed great. So we're really happy, as I said earlier, to have you. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background, where you're from, how you ended up in Jacksonville, ultimately covering the Jaguars. Well, I appreciate that, first of all. But um, yeah, no, I, I've I've always lived in Jacksonville, or I, I guess I shouldn't say always. You know, I have moved around a little bit because my dad was in the military. But for the most part, I call Jacksonville home. I've lived here most of my life. I went to school at, at FAU down in South Florida. Sort of um, coming out of college, I needed an, an outlet or something to do, basically, because when you come out of college, you're sort of just thrown into the real world and you're like, all right, well, go find a job. Um, so I, I've, I've always had an interest in NFL football and college football, whatever it may be, but the Jaguars have always drawn my interest because obviously I was from here, you know, I'm from Jacksonville. I've always thought, you know, the, the city of Jacksonville needs a winner and they need something to, to, to root for. And that's sort of what the Jaguars can bring. So I sort of started on locked on Jaguars and, um, that was sort of a blog slash, you know, uh, podcast website slash whatever you want to call it. Um, and I sort of got, took off from there. I, I started writing about them. I started covering the team in 2017. Uh, and, and then moving forward, I ended up going to Big Cat Country where I was able to sort of carve out a niche. You know, I, I you know, had locker room access now. I could go into the, the press conference, all the all that sort of stuff. I could cover the games from the press box. It, it was it was incredible. You know, it was something that I had always dreamed of doing. I, I sort of diverted from that, too. And I took on another job covering the Florida Gators, which um, I, I, I would not recommend people do this. You know, I would not recommend trying to cover um, two beats full time. But, you know, I, I made the most of it because I just wanted to uh, carve out my own uh, path in life. And, that, and that's sort of what I did. And, you know, luckily, um, you know, obviously John Reed was, was an incredible at the times union and he was a mentor of mine during the past couple of years while I was with him on the Jaguar beat. Um, he retired and, and then I, t- I found this opportunity and then luckily I was able to get it, you know, that, that, that's sort of my, my path and sort of where I'm from and sort of, you know, how I got to be here. Well, that's just awesome. And as you can hear, folks, you got to work hard if you want good things to happen. And for you, Demetrius, we're so glad that this good thing could happen for you. I appreciate that a lot. All right. Now, before we let you go, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I have just reached into longtime colonist Gene Frenette's pocket and pulled out five $100 bills. And we're going to bet some of Gene's money. 
<laughs> so I, I love prop bets, and I, I'm always looking at different prop bets that, that make you sit there and think. So here are five I'm going to give you, and we're going to revisit this maybe at the end of the year and, and see if you've turned Gene's money into more money. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. So Trevor Lawrence has a touchdown prop bet of 21 and a half. He had 12 in 2022. Do you go over or under 21 and a half? I'm going over for that one. I think he's going to have at least 24 touchdowns this year. All righty. Strong over. So Trevor Lawrence last year had 17 interceptions. His prop this year is 14 and a half. Do you go over or under 14 and a half? That one's tougher. That one's tougher, but I'm going to go I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under but barely. It's going to be around 13. All right, I think he's going to go over. So, I I'll I'll go with you with the over on touchdowns cuz I think 24 to 26 is a good number, but I think he'll have about 16 interceptions. All right. Travis Etienne has a touchdown prop of five and a half. Do you take the over or the under? Ah, that one's another tough one. It depends on James Robinson. Um, I'm going to go under, and it's only because I think that he's going to get vultured a lot. I think Snoop Connor, I think James Robinson is going to come in at the goal line. He might have a couple of splash touchdowns, but that's about it. So I'll go under with that one. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll go with six touchdowns. I'll take the over. We'll we'll just slightly differ on that. All right. Christian Kirk has a prop of 825.5 receiving yards. He had... 982 as the main guy on the Cardinals last year, but obviously there's a lot of competition. His previous three seasons, 709 was his best before the 982. So do you go over or under 825.5? I'm going to go over here, and and I think that it's a little bit uh, controversial because he hasn't been able to do that very often, but I think he's one of the only guys on the team right now that they're going to depend on. So over 825, probably around 900, maybe to 1,000 for sure. Alrighty, I think I agree with you there. I think he's going to be used a lot, and he's so fast. I think he's going to be fun to watch. Finally, Trayvon Walker, the number one overall draft pick, has a prop bet of 6.5 sacks. He had six during his final year at Georgia, and one so far in the, or one through the preseason this year. So, do you think Trayvon gets more or less than six and a half sacks? I think, you know, I, coming into this, I've I've always said around seven was a great season for him. So if I have to, you know, hedge on that, then I'm going to go over. I'll say seven. But I do want it to be known that I believe there is a metric out there where the number one overall pick over the history or whatever, um, no one's really gotten above that seven mark. So that's going to be an interesting one to follow. All righty. Well, those are five fun props. I think he's going to go under the six and a half sacks. So we'll have to see if we're going to turn Gene's money into more money or if we've spent poor Gene's money. <laughs> yeah, he, he he might not be happy with me after this one. Well, there you have it. So, Demetrius, do you want to give folks your email address just in case they take your bets and lose all five? No, seriously, though, if you want people to follow along, you do have a big Twitter following. So where can people find you and all of your great work? Because I know you post it all there. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I don't know about the email address, but you guys can follow me on Twitter at Demetrius82. Honestly, that's the best place to uh, to end up reaching me anyway. So twitter.com slash Demetrius82. Maybe we should just give him Gene Frenette's email address. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> All right. No, we love Gene, and Gene's been a great columnist here in Jacksonville forever, so we got to give him a hard time. So is there anything else you want to get out there about the Jaguars or anything else before I let you go? 
No, um, I I just want to say that you know I I really appreciate this opportunity. It's it's probably you know a, a dream come true, and I really do it all for for you guys, the fans. Um, I've always done that, you know, with with the fans in mind, and I hope that you guys enjoy the content that I'm going to be pouring out over this season, and then the all the seasons to follow. All right, that's great, Demetrius. It's been awesome having you on for your inaugural shot here at the State of Florida Sports Podcast, and I definitely look forward to seeing you or talking to you during the season. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and this week I'll quote Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Blowfish fame, who said, there's two times a year for me, football season and waiting for football season. Well, when Darius thinks of football, he must think, I only want to be with you. Ugh. All right, disregard that and join us again next time. <laughs>